Hello and welcome to We Should Talk. And we're going to get started with some introductions and I'll go first. My name is JP Job and uh, I grew up in Terrell, Texas, a small town in East Texas and uh, spent most of my time in, in private school, a couple years in public school, but uh, ended up in college at A&M Commerce, uh, got married and moved to Sulphur Springs and lived a few other places, but uh, now live here in uh, Scroggins, Texas, so an even smaller place to live. And I am the pastor at Good Hope Family Fellowship, and we have eight kids together, so I'm the father of eight kids. I'm Julie, I'm JP's wife. Um, I grew up in the Sulphur Springs area, um, and I did not go to private school. I went to public school, um, but I met JP at AM Commerce, um, and we obviously got married, and we have our eight children together. Uh, I stay at home with our kids, and I homeschool them, and that's what I do. My name is Tina Rockwell Fountain. I grew up in Pittsburgh, Texas, and... Um, I graduated in 88, and I traveled to and fro since then. And somewhere in there, I married my baby, Keijan Fountain. <laughs> and we have a total of five babies together. And I do work for home health services, and I work for an attorney's office. And that's about sums it up for me. Well, my name is Keetron Fountain, and I was born in Bryan, Texas, but raised right here in Mount Vernon, Texas. Um, I graduated in 91. I've been working as a healthcare provider for the past 15 years. Um, I have a degree in portrait photography, been a barber for a lot of years, and I'm the minister of music at Good Hope Family Fellowship in Scroggins, Texas, a wonderful church home that I found, and I'm very, very happy to be a part of. Yeah, we were really glad to have you, too, because before you came along, of course, I was having to lead the music and then ask someone to pray so I could put my guitar down and then, you know, move the pulpit. Yeah, and I know some pastors that had to play and lead worship also, and I'm sure that was hard to do, but it had to be done until someone else could come and fill that position. Yeah, yeah, and I'm glad that that's behind me. And, uh, <laughs> and you know, I used to be a teacher in the school, and, and I'm glad that's behind me now, too. Yes. And um, you know, have a little bit more time to focus on uh, the church and and the things that are going on there. And um, how long have you been at at Good Hope? I was trying to think about that the other day. Do you know how I'm long? I'm thinking been? maybe three years. Yeah, I was thinking it was maybe somewhere three in that years. Neighborhood. That's about what I was thinking too. Yeah. So for for three years now, we've kind of been getting to know Keetron and and then Tina started to sneak in with him sometimes here and there so we got to get to know her and <laughs> and uh oh isn't she such a joy oh she is everybody loves her absolutely. everybody loves her absolutely <laughs> and so it's been great to get to know uh you guys and um we um we kind of got to this point where with what's going on in the news and and everything that um you know we saw these you know, debates and discussions and, you know, sometimes people just shouting at each other about race relations and, you know, just all of these, uh, this noise that's out there in our culture right now. And I got to thinking about it and, you know, it's, it's been on my heart for a while. I, I remember all the way back whenever uh, things happened with, with Trayvon Martin and um, realizing that there's something more to this that I didn't experience growing up. And there's, there's another side of the story that I want to start to learn more about. 
And, you know, Terrell was a, a, a town that, um, you know, we had integrated schools and all that kind of stuff. And so we, you know, I was on the football team with people of, of every color, you know, and um, I was just kind of grew up in the mindset that you're just friends to anybody and everybody. And, you know, but it wasn't something that we talked about. It wasn't something that we really discussed. It was just treat people with respect, treat them, you know, like skin color doesn't matter. And, Mm -hmm. and then, you know, everything should just work itself out. And back whenever that happened with Trayvon, it was, it was like, there's something more to what's going on, you know? And, and so I really started to, to think about it and I started to listen to, to sources of information and, read up on things that had gone on. And I really felt like there needs to be something more than just being a good friend. And that is, you know, I I just feel like, I like the name of the podcast. I feel like we should talk, you know, that we need to discuss these things. We need to understand people from their backgrounds and what they've gone through. And so, you know, I reached out to Keetron and Tina and just said, Hey, would y'all be willing to have, put together a, a, a podcast where we just have a conversation about topics surrounding race. And so that's what this time is about. You know, we're just four friends, you know, who are living our life and, you know, we already knew each other. We already had a, a basis for communication. Keetron does so many different things technology wise. And, I, you know, I know how to run a website and publish a podcast. So it just seemed like something that got it really put together and given to us as something that we could do to kind of contribute to the dialogue that, that needs to happen. So, um, you know, that's why we're here is just to kind of talk about these topics and, and, and just so the people who are listening know, you know, we are interested in your questions. If you have questions about race, you know, we, we want to field those questions. We want to talk about those things because I think whenever we approach each other in respect, you know, there's, there's nothing that's too taboo, you know, and, and whenever we have those questions, you know, we can jump to some, you know, um, some conclusions that aren't healthy if we don't actually have the opportunity to ask. We all have different stories. We all have different experiences. Um, and we are not going to know what someone else's experience has been unless we listen, unless we talk about it. And I think that that's why this is important. Absolutely. If you have questions and you're listening to this, you want to hear us discuss it. If you want to, you know, uh, holler back at us, if you think that we missed something or whatever the case may be, we've, we've set up a, a email address uh, that you can email us back to. And it's just, we should talk at ghff.net. And so just no spaces or special symbols or anything like that. Just we should talk at ghff.net. If you send us an email there, we'll read it. We'll, uh, you know, respond to you. And if, if it's something that we feel like we need to discuss together, then we'll put that question before the four of us and have a conversation about it. I think with that, we'll move on to today's topic. So um, I think a a good question to kind of start with is just around the subject that kind of kicked off this latest round of of dialogue and and discussion in the news about this, about these issues regarding race. And that is 
um, George Floyd's death. And so I just put the question out to, to all four of us. Why does George Floyd's death matter to you? Well, for me, um, it really stems from police brutality because that's what it was. And it caused somebody's death. And it's happening all over the world. It's just not happening in the United States. If you watch, um, I, I've signed up for different world news. And so it's happening all over the world concerning b- police brutality, but mostly for those of color. And But what it matters to me, it could have been one of mine. Right. You know, we have three, three boys, and we have two girls. And the women are just just as much at risk as the men. If you read the stories about the, all the females dying in the, at the hands of police, in police custody, you'll see what I, I'm talking about. But it's mostly for the men. As a black man, they might not make it home. And, and that's the problem that, you know, black females, they might not make it home either. But as a black man, it's known that they will not make it home. They might not make it home that night. And they always say, well... You know, the police, I don't have anything against the police. It's just the, the, the bad ones. Right. It's the bad police. And they say, well, they're out there to protect and serve. Protect and serve who? You know, you just can't pick and choose. Or you're not supposed right. to be able to pick and choose. Well, and it's not their job to, meet out the pun- to administer the punishment for whatever ha- may or may not have been done either. That comes later in our system. It's just their job to apprehend but usually we are we're already guilty before proven innocent and it's not the other way around so the justice systems it does not help out in that area at all and then when um as a as a whole we as a people of color nine times out of ten would get more time or more harsh punishment before somebody white will right you see but George Floyd's death, it always, it just triggers. I mean, just not George Floyd's, but everybody, but George Floyd's, it just brought out, that could have been my son. Right. On that video, dying like that. Right. That could have been one of my nephews on that ground like that, dying like that. That could have been one of my uncles on the ground, dying like that. And without any kind of remorse whatsoever. Any kind of first aid, none was rendered whatsoever. And it's just like he was a bag of trash. Right. And, there, you know, you see all the, the other police officers standing around, mm-hmm. you know. You, you see that there are people, you know, calling out to them and saying, hey, let him mm-hmm. up. Mm-hmm. And, and you see all this, and it, it just seemed like he just, it seemed like he wasn't worth it to, it's, you know, that police officer. I think officer. that that's one of the things that, one of the reasons why it matters to me is because these police officers felt bold enough to do this in public in front of people who were asking, please stop. Stop. And George Floyd's just, he just so happened to be caught right there, like at the instance. There's more video footage floating around, but that was the first one to actually make it to the media. Right. You know, and so that's what you see. That's what everybody saw. That's what everybody is still seeing. Right. That knee with him putting pressure, continuing pressure on that man's neck. 
And that's, that is so irritating. And also what irritates me, the other officers, you, you did not hear in any video, get up, man, let him up, you know, because come to find out, like I told Kitchen, there was another video flowing, flowing around because I saw that one first. There was a, a three officers behind him, the vehicle. Right. So there was two officers on him, and then that one that came, they left them, and he came to stand guard. That was the first uh, actual first video floating first. And then the other one just overtook it because she had it just going live, live, you know. Right. So I'm pretty sure she had more followers than the other one did, the other guy. Right. So that's how that one came out in the forefront. Right. Well, and there's, you know, it's a tighter shot and you can mm, see, mm -hmm. I mean, you can see his, his knee on his neck so clearly. Yeah, because I had called Keechan about the first one. And he said, he didn't see that one. I said, yeah, it's out, it's out there somewhere. And then, boom, the other one yeah. took over. And I think that, you know, there's a lot of people that, you know, will be very bold about saying, oh, well, I'm pro-life. And, and it's like, well, you know, being pro-life means you're pro-all-life. And and George Floyd is is alive, is alive, and and he's he's worth, you know, remembering. He's he was he was created in the image of God. You know, that's what we all were, regardless of his past. Right, and and you know, in that moment, you know, it, I his past was was not really what's relevant in that moment. I think you know a lot of people uh, kind of bring up this. Well, it's almost as if he deserved it because. He did have a past, um, but the reality is that none of us mm -hmm. don't have one. We mm -hmm. all have a past. We That's have right. all, you know, if <clears throat> the type of death I, I receive is based on the wrong thing because I've done wrong in my life, mm -hmm. you know, I, that's, it's just, it's not, it's not right. It's not our decision to be making in that um, I'm thankful that. God is not determined, you know, my punishment based on all the wrong things that I've done because, you That's know, right. you know, he is my savior. Um, and, you know, I, I was thinking about it today and just, especially as Christians, even if someone has done all these evil things um, or some evil, some good, whatever they've done, but they don't know him yet. Why would we want to end their life before they have a chance? Right. Right. And, you know, the Bible is filled with people who did bad things and God redeemed. Yeah. And, and we don't have a right to say, oh, that person is too far gone for that. Yeah. Well, and, I, you know, I was just in the, the passage the other day where uh, the woman is brought before Jesus and, you know, thrown in his feet and says, you know, this woman was caught in the yeah. very act of adultery and Moses in the law tells us that we should stone her. What do you say? And he just kind of ignores them for a little while. And they're like, no, 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 tell us, you know, what, what should we do with her? Because, you know, they wanted to trap him in the moment. And he stood up and he said, well, he who is without sin, throw the first stone. And then he knelt down and, you know, ignored him again. And then looks up and everybody's gone. You know, starting with the oldest, they all walk away. Everybody's gone. And he says, where are your accusers? And she says, you know, there aren't any, you know, and he says, well, I don't, you know, I don't condemn you either, yeah. you know, go and sin no more. And Jesus valued her life, you know? And so, you know, it, it, it's troubling to me too, because, you know, people are like, well, why George Floyd? And, you know, they want to 
They want to bring up his past and they want to bring up, you know, all this stuff. And it's like, you know, all that stuff is just, just noise. But, you know, here he is. I think what's so disturbing to me is we, you watch that video and you're just, you're just devastated Mm -hmm. that nobody did something. Mm -hmm. And it's not an isolated event. Mm -mm. You know, it is a part of a fabric of, you know, news that we hear again and again and again. And, you know, you can go back and you can look up all kinds of stories. And, you know, I've been re, you know, investigating and re reading those stories, you know, of, of people and, and, and been writing their names in my phone and, and going back and remembering these stories because they matter, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, the, there's, there's lots of narratives out there about, well, maybe you just shouldn't be doing anything wrong and then you wouldn't have a confrontation with police. <laughs> and it's like, well, what about Tamir Rice? You know, what, what about, there was one just the other day that, you know, mm-hmm. has yeah, come up in the news so many of them. and it, and it's like that, that's not enough of a response to, um, you know, these issues that we're seeing in, in the, the manner in which policing is taking Even place. Still again, it's like the job of the police is not to bring harm to people, but, if they have, this person has been doing something wrong, their job is to apprehend them right. and, and, and to try to do it in a way that, in my opinion, anyway, should preserve life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Instead um, of assassinating and assaulting them. Right. Basically. Yeah. And, and I heard you say, you know, it's, it's not all police, you know, right. and, and anyone right. who's being, you know, you know, intellectually honest about all this, it is not all police. Correct. We know that. But it is enough police that this keeps happening. And they're backing the ones. Well, and they feel, yeah, they feel like they can do it. I mean, they, they, there's a mindset for them that this, somehow this behavior is okay. Or like you said, they know they've got the backing of other mm-hmm. police officers or, or whatever that makes them feel like this is okay. Yeah. You know, I think a lot of times even as Christians, sometimes we can fall into a trap of, I guess, callousness where we look, we don't, when we look at a person, we don't see a life. We don't see a creation. We don't see a person. We just see this list of things that they've done. Some may be good, some may be bad, but we, we define them by that. And I think that that's part of, you know, what I see sometimes with people looking at this George Floyd situation and even some other situations where it's like, it's just this, this list of, you know, they're labeled that, that's mm-hmm. what they are, who they are, and people don't see the other, you don't see the life in them and that God gave them that life. Um, and it just, I think I, I, you see that trend a lot of times where when one of these situations come to, comes to light, there's a, a portion of people that immediately start digging. Mm-hmm. What is all, what all has this person done wrong? Mm-hmm. You know? And, and sometimes there is no, there isn't even a record of any kind of wrong that they've done. Sometimes there is, but it's this little bitty thing that happened years ago that, you know, is not who they are. Um, but even if it was still who they were, they deserve an opportunity for redemption and for hope. And instead of an automatic death penalty, yeah. right. immediate yeah. death penalty. Mr. Floyd's death was a catalyst. I hate he died the way he did, but that set off a catalyst. His death was a catalyst to open or try to open the eyes of some people regarding police brutality. 
because it's not only blacks, it's Mexicans, whites, some Chinese, you know, it's all colors across the board. Right. It just like like right now, it's just the media exploits the black deaths. Right. You know, but yeah, and I've seen those articles where people are like, Well, what about this guy? He had the same thing done to him, but nobody, you know, stood up. And mm-hmm. it's like, Well, That's are right. we okay with that? Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, yeah we're not okay with it. But if you don't make it known in your if you don't make it known in your town where it can get out of the state to the other states to know, we won't know. Right. So we won't be able to stand behind them to get justice right. for what happened to that person. Yeah, I've heard I heard a story a long time ago where um, you know, there was a, a a serial rapist who was intentionally, you know, choosing his victims in different precincts so or different police departments jurisdictions so that because he knew that police departments were islands to themselves and they weren't communicating with each other. Mm-hmm. And so he could get away because it was just a one off here and a mm-hmm. one off there and a one off there. And it wasn't until police departments started to cooperate with each other and, and that they saw that there was a pattern here. Yes. There, there's, there's something that's, you know, the same between that one, that one, that one. It's one in each of these yes. different precincts, but it's the same in MO. its form. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, and I think that's kind of what you're talking about is, you know, we've got to talk about this because it's, it may just happen once here, it may just happen, you know, five times there, yes. but it's it's happening on a larger scale, and it's something that we've got to talk about, because if we don't talk about it, then we're just letting it happen. Yes. And, and I think that that's why it's so important to talk about, because it, it just needs to be discussed. People need to know that's something going on, you know, and... and you got some people that refuse to acknowledge that there is a problem. And, you know, that irritates me, of course. But, I mean, we just have to, where I say, I be trying to pray for these people. You know, come on now. Just open your eyes just for a moment. Take all the blinders off and just see the truth. And then go do, put your your blinders back on and, you know, but after you see the, you actually see the truth, how can you put your, how can you put your blinders back on? After that, because I have to tell my I have to tell my son every night, be careful. You go somewhere, you you text a couple nights ago after these, cause these lynchings done started now, you know. So I I sent a broad text out, told them check in, you know, niece nephews, if just check in, cause if you're not home at a certain time and you're not seen to the next morning, that's devastating. And it's and it's terrible, and you can't sleep without knowing where one of your children are, or your nephews are, or something. And, and and now it's just getting so bad. And with the police still doing what they're doing, even after the George Floyd thing, they're still doing what they're not supposed to do, and that is terrible. It's terrible. I think I've I've reached that place where it's like I, I I can't ignore it anymore. Um, you know, it wasn't my intention to ignore it before either, but um, I think God's just helped my eyes open up further to it. Um, and that, I mean, it should matter. You know, these situations and these lives, they do matter. Um, and something 
something does need to change. We don't have all the answers and know everything that needs to happen, but it needs to be, it needs to be discussed and it needs to be talked about. And I think, I think everybody who's involved in the discussion needs to be willing to listen Mm -hmm. Um, and not just try to hear what they want to hear and, and willing to, to admit that and realize that just because they have never seen it or experienced it doesn't mean that it's not still happening. You know, their experience is one out of billions. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. And I, and I think that, um, you know, for people who push back about, um, you know, when, you know, the police have a very difficult job and we need to, you know, it, you know, support the police and, and those kinds of things. We do support the police. Yes. And, and I think that that's what's getting drowned out. It's like, just because we want some reform doesn't mean that we're against them. Yeah. Correct. And, and, right. Correct. Because there are some amazing police oh, yeah. officers out there some. who, who for them, it's even a ministry. You know, yes, it's, a, yes. it's, it's a job that they love and they are doing it to serve and protect um, and everything. And yeah, I, I, it's frustrating for me to feel like people, you can't say both, but it's true. I, I do Back the blue, mm-hmm. <laughs> the blue that are doing their jobs the right yes, way, the right way. And, right. and I can also say that and still support Black Lives Matter. Yeah. And I'm sure we've all seen it on TV where they're showing the police officers playing basketball with the kids. And, you know, we should never dislike the whole police force because of the bad ones. Right. But the wrong does need to be addressed. Right. You know, right. Um, just because we have. Maybe there's a majority that are good and it's a smaller crowd that's not doing their job the right way. doesn't mean we can ignore that. I mean, these people are in a place of authority in which they should have honesty and integrity and, and that in a place position that they should be trained to, to handle these things in a certain way. That's um, right. That's right. And there needs to be a level of accountability there. That's right. That if they are struggling to maintain that and struggling to do that, there's a break or there's something, you know? Um, and it's not just, it, it's not just for the, the, the welfare of the public, it's for their own welfare. You know, it's for, it's a benefit to them if they're being held accountable, if, if, if they're starting to struggle that someone stops and says, okay, we see some struggle happening here. Let's, let's help, let's help you. Let's work through this so that you're not a detriment to other people, but also so that you are, healthy and whole and able to work past this because it is, it is a difficult job. I mean, you know, especially some, probably some areas where police officers are, are more dangerous than others. And Mm -hmm. so for those people who are constantly, every time they're on shift on a high level, you know, alert system that can take a toll on you. Um, You know, I can see how that can get to a point where someone is not handling situations appropriately because, that has taken a toll on them. Um, and I don't know what the answer is to help with that, but I think that something, it needs to be talked about that to try to find how can we help, you know, how can, how can they be helped so that they can continue to do their jobs? And, uh, you know, Tina and I were just talking the other day and she mentioned that these police officers need to think about their families before they choose to do something wrong to someone. Or a vigilante. Yeah. Be out there and then, you know, oh, you took mine, I'm going to take yours. Yeah. You, you yeah. see what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's so much to think about before, you're, before you do something to harm, uh, to intentionally harm another person. Yeah. You know, and then at the, at the point where we are now, we don't know what's going to happen. 
because everybody on their own age, and we've got people that's actually, you know, defying the police now. The good ones also that's trying actually trying to make up for what somebody else did bad. Right. And they're the ones that are getting hurt or killed. Right. You know, it just it's it's, it's terrible. Yeah. And I just, like I said, I hurt I hate that Mr. Flores' death was the catalyst for all of this. But something needs to be done. Some kind of reform needs to be created, signed, and stuck to. They they need to be held accountable. Right. And if you start holding them all accountable across the board, it will be less and less of that. Less and less of that. Because you got people turning in their badges now. Right. I'm like, oh, so you you approve of that kind of violence. Okay, we see where you stand. If you're turning in your badge because somebody done killed somebody in a death chokehold and you just didn't let them go. So you approve of that. Okay. You don't knock, you knock an old man down. You're going to turn in your badge because somebody got in trouble for knocking an old man down, busting his head open. Okay. Yeah. I, I don't understand that. Yeah. And, you know, like you said, everything's so on edge that it's, even the, the slightest thing can be, can be taken out of context, you know. And and it goes both ways whenever we're on that edge, and and I think that that's that's another reason that conversation just needs to happen. People need, just need to talk about talk. what's going on, and and let's just come to the table and say how can we be better? Because you know, when it, whenever I was teaching in the school, you know, we would have trainings about this or that, you know, about how to heal, handle this situation, how to handle that situation. And it's like I already know this stuff. You know, anyone who has there, there are some of those trainings that you go to, and it's like. Would anyone ever do this the other way? You know, like we get trained on how to give a test, you mm-hmm. know, whenever the state tests come out and it was like, you can't go around and give kids answers. Like, really? You got to tell teachers not to give students. And the reason is because some teachers do that. And it's like, that is just, it blows my mind. And it feels frustrating in the moment that you would call me out as someone who might give a student an answer on a state <laughs> test. But at the same time, I can't be that offended by it because it's not like I'm doing anything wrong. You know, if, if I, I can take it personal and say, why are you telling me this? Are you saying that I would do that? But instead it's just like, Oh my gosh, there's some guys out there that are doing that. Mm-hmm. And so I guess you got to put that in writing or people think they can get away with it. Right. And, and so it's like, just because we're saying, just because we're calling for police to, you know, be held to a high standard you know, doesn't mean that we think that they're all bad. Correct. And but I think that it's it's worth saying that they need yeah. to be held to a high standard. Well, and you know, the 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 ones that we've talked about that are doing a good job, that are doing what they're supposed to be doing. You know, they they probably already have even in maybe if it's even just in their own mind, their own set of standards because they're doing it right. But sometimes, like you said, that standard needs to be written down it needs to be verbalized and it needs to be said that this this holds for everyone who's going to do this you know this is what we expect um because again we're all different we all have different viewpoints we've all grown up differently and so we all have a little bit different viewpoint on things we have a little bit different idea of what standards should be and so you know those standards need to be expressed clearly and 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 handled appropriately so as we close out, what do you think that we should do? You mean like we as we in the four as of whole, us or we as we a society? As a whole, yes. Yeah. So, you know, I don't have the answer 
for what we as a society have to do because I, I'm not an expert on, you know, policing. I'm not an expert on, you know, societal norms. I, you know, I, I don't feel like I can prescribe a, you know, a blanket well, policy. I think as a society as a whole, I think what we need to do is listen. Like, yeah. you know, and, and choose to listen to some viewpoints that we may not initially agree with and choose to, to try to listen with an open heart and choose to have open conversations, not where we're fighting and arguing with one another, but where we're, we're listening and then we take time to process what we've heard and even ask the Lord to help us process it and ask, is there, you know, being open to the idea that maybe my viewpoint, viewpoint isn't completely correct and maybe I need to see this a little differently and asking for that clarity as you process this. And I think that that's, you know, it's not, I don't have programs in mind or, or whatever, but like you talked about conversation, open conversation done in love and respect with people that have different viewpoints so that we can get to a point where we understand each other a little better. better. And while we may not ever agree about everything, we've built a relationship and we've gotten to a point where we see things a little bit better than we did before. And I think that that is going to eventually affect what programs are put into place and what the solutions are because people are honestly, lovingly, and respecting, respectfully talking about these things. You know, and I often say that whenever you're having a conversation about a serious issue, always remember to attack the problem and not each other. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, just agree to disagree. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think that, you know, our our culture right now is, you know, prone to and is encouraging us to run to silos. You know, well, you better choose which side of this you're on. You know, you, you better choose. Are, are you on the, the Blue Lives Matter or the Black Lives Matter side of all this? And it's like, no, I'm on the side of, you know, people. Life. Life. <laughs> people I'm, I'm, life. You know, I, I'm, I'm on. I, I love the police. I love, you know, black lives. I love I love people. And and that's supposed to be our default as Christians is we're just supposed to love that's people. Right. You know, people, you know, talk about um, you know, <clears throat> whether or not he deserved to die or whatever. Well, none of us deserve life at all. I mean, really, when it comes that's down to, to it, honest. what the scriptures say yeah. is that we all deserve death. Yes. And yeah. and so, you know, I deserve what George Floyd went through. You know, I I I've written a hot check, which is what he was being picked up for, from what I've read in the papers. Mm -hmm. and, and so it's like, I, I've done that before. And thank goodness it didn't come to that for me. You know, and, and it's like, and so instead of, instead of trying to, you know, virtue signal and say, I'm on this side and, and, and make sure everybody knows where I stand, let's, let's talk about the problem. And let's, like, like you said, Keetra, and let's attack that problem instead of trying to attack each other. You know, mm -hmm. and I think it takes humility. I think it takes, mm -hmm. you know, being willing to listen, being willing to acknowledge that you don't know everything, you know, that you haven't experienced it the way that other people experience it. And, and I think that we've, we've got to be willing to just listen to each other and listen to the perspectives that, that everybody brings to the table because, you know, just shouting at each other from a distance, it's not solving the problem. 
It's making it worse because mm-hmm. you got one person. Sometimes you have one person that's willing to listen, but the other person refuses mm-hmm. to listen. It's what I believe. I'm sticking with it. You know, that's it. There's nothing else to talk about. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know, the enemy, you know, he, he desires division. Um, and I think that, you know, we, we have an opportunity right now, especially as Christians in this situation, to decide I'm not going to be a part of the, the, the division. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm going to listen. And I'm I'm gonna try to find common ground, and I'm gonna approach this with the stance that maybe there is something new that I need to learn in this situation. Um, and we get to we get to make that choice right now that you know we aren't gonna we aren't gonna allow the enemy to use us in that separation and in that division. And I think sometimes we we've allowed it without realizing that's what we've done. Like you said, when we run to our silos, we run to our viewpoint and our side, and we just stand there and refuse to talk and listen in love, then, you know, we've, um, we've perpetuated that. We've made the division go further instead of just listening, you know. And there are, there are people in our lives that JP and I, you know, we've talked with over the years. We've, there are multiple things that we don't agree with them on, but we've had open, honest conversations about it, and it's all been done in love and talked about in love. And, you know, those people know that they can come talk to us. We know we can talk to these people and have a good conversation. And it, the relationship is open in that way so that, you know, we can continue conversations so that, you know, maybe while we don't agree on everything, there are some things that we have found that we do agree on and we're still operating in love and not just this, well, I'm just not even going to talk to them anymore because I don't agree with them kind of thing. Yeah. I think we've got to allow some, some room for nuance too. You know, instead of hearing somebody say one thing and then jumping to a conclusion about all these other things that they believe, you know, we, you know, it's like if, if you say, um, you know, if, if you say black lives matter, well, you're a Marxist who wants to see anarchy. You know, it's like, wh- where, where did you get that? Yeah. You know, it, it's just these, these wild, you know, yes. attachments that people are making to these statements yeah. and it, it's not helpful. It doesn't, uh-uh. it doesn't advance anything. You know, it's just, it's trying to put me in my place so that we don't have to talk about the real issue. Right. And, and it's a way of silencing people before you ever give the chance to listen to them. And so I think that we've got to we got to stop doing that. I've said several times lately that it doesn't matter who you are, we agree about a lot more than we disagree about. You know, you may <clears throat> well, if I was to ask anybody on the street what color is the sky, we're all going to give the same answer. Mm-hmm. You know, what happens if you, you know, walk off the edge of a cliff? We all know what's going to happen. I mean, we agree about a whole whole lot of things. There may be some things we disagree about, but that seems to be the only focal point in our culture right now is to find the points where we disagree and let's start shouting at yes. each other instead of what do we all agree on? Do we all agree that, that lives are important? Yeah, everybody agrees that. So let's start there and let's talk about how we can make 
all of our communities safer. Let's talk about how we can make all policing better and more effective. Let's talk about how we can make, you know, everything better for everyone instead of figuring out, you know, well, where do you disagree? Let me, let me find that one point that I know that we'll disagree with and, and, or or I know that we'll disagree over, and then I'm going to tear you apart for believing that. And it's just not productive. I think it's important to realize that it's going to take time. You know, it may take multiple conversations with one person before you get to that point where you feel like you've reached the common ground or whatever. And I think it's going to be important not, not to give up, but to just continue to have those conversations. Yeah. And, and that's why I like the word you used earlier, Tina, whenever you said that, you know, Mr. Floyd's death was a catalyst. You know, that I think is a, a good way to look at this is it, you know, and maybe that's just my chemistry brain, but you know, it's something that it's unfortunate. It's not, it's not what this is all about, Mm -hmm. but it was something that brought us together, brought this conversation up so that we can start to find, you know, the best way forward because, you know, status quo is not good enough. You know, Mm -hmm. the way things are currently is not good enough. No. And so let's, let's find a way to make it better and, and let's let our conversations be centered on, how do we get better instead of what makes us so different? I've thought about, you know, an assignment maybe of, you know, have a conversation this week with someone about something like this, you know, Um, talk about it and, 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 you know, listen to someone else's viewpoint on the situation. Um, And don't just go to somebody who thinks going to have the same Mm -hmm. viewpoint Mm -hmm. as you, but you know, think of somebody you know who might have a different viewpoint and, and ask them some questions with the goal of, I want to learn, I want to understand, I want to try, I want to process this um, and, and, and kind of be, you know, just be open to the conversation. Yeah. And, and it's good to not just do a lot of talking, but listen to listen. what someone, mm-hmm. you know, what, what they're, what's on their heart. Right. right. Yeah. And, and, you know, choosing to, um, that this person may say something to me that may offend me or may not be something I really want to hear, but mm-hmm. I have a choice about being offended right now. I can choose to put that offense aside and keep listening and know that, you know, and maybe ask yourself, why does this offend me? Right. You know, and is there something that, you know, a lot of times things offend us because there's something we need to work on. Not always, but sometimes. Um, and so it might be an opportunity to ask that question. Why is this offending me? Um, and, and may, it may just be that you, you know, you realize, you know, ultimately in the grand scheme of things, this is a small thing. I don't need to be offended over. Um, or maybe it helps you realize, Hmm, I actually might need to work on that. Um, but you know, listening with the intent of really listening and, and I'm, I'm going to choose not to take offense, even if something offensive might be said, um, and, and believing that that person doesn't, isn't intending events. Um, I think that that's something, a problem with some of the conversations that do happen is we're quick to hear in a, something that seems like an offense and just shut down instead of, you know what, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to continue through the difficult conversation. Yeah, I think that's a good assignment. <laughs> Encourage people to have a, a conversation, you know, with someone that they disagree with and go into that with the intention, I'm going to listen, you know, and not... I'm going to try to correct them. I'm not trying to put them in their place, but I'm going to listen and try to understand their perspective, you know? And 
I've found that I've had a couple of online conversations, not that those are always the most productive things in my life, but um, a couple of Facebook back and forths that where it's like, you know, I, I can defuse the situation if I ask clarifying questions and then restate to them what I'm hearing and ask, is this what you're saying? It, it, it makes it to where, you know, it doesn't, they don't feel like they got to keep shouting at me. You know, they feel like they've been heard. And I feel like whenever you do that, if it, if it works, it doesn't always work. Some people don't want that, but if it works and they feel like they've been heard, then it gives you the opportunity to say, well, let me share with you my perspective because now they feel like, well, he listened to me. I I guess I, I ought to listen to him in return. Um, but I, I think that, that that makes for a, a good yeah. homework assignment is to, to listen to people and, and to you know, intentionally go into a conversation yeah. with the purpose to listen and yes, understand their yes. point of view. Well, I think we're going to wrap this one up, and uh, we're going to plan to be back together and uh, have another conversation. If you have questions that you want to share with us, again, you can share it through that email address, we should talk at ghff.net and um, we'll look at those questions and share them and we'll have another conversation coming up soon just so you know you can ask any question you want to ask about this topic and no names will be mentioned about the question that has been asked we'll keep it anonymously that's right thank you for listening bye